And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Listening to Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee is with me. Hi, Sam. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, fine. Weird um, weekend with it with England and the internationals. Yeah, um, but not, normally quiet. But then obviously they dropped this whole restructuring of the entire Premier League on us on, <laughs> on Sunday. And I'm not I'm not saying that made me especially busy, but it was it was odd to have such a big news story. And what's normally a quiet weekend, and yeah, well, I mean that kind of hesitation when you ask me how I'm going is for podcast-wise, like you just kind of switch off a bit from city stuff, and yeah. t- I, I was suddenly trying to flick back to what's been going on, <laughs> um, and yeah, but despite that, yeah, there is plenty to talk about, and yeah, that those Premier League proposals are definitely interesting and I get the feeling we'll be talking about that quite a bit yeah they might come up Um, well right now we're offering you the opportunity to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month you can enjoy all of our great articles on City and so much more including David Ornstein's exclusive interview with the club's Chief Football Operations Officer Omar Barada and uh, we're going to hear some of that a bit later on in the the show as well Sam because it's it's such an interesting interview yeah it is yeah it's nice to I think for the for the fans to hear somebody from the club speak on record, obviously Caldoun Mubarak does that once every summer, but it's you know it's not the kind of club that does that very often, and also it's not kind of the club that sort of briefs about what their you know what their higher ups are actually thinking. Whereas yeah. you know you've got a good idea of how Ed Woodward goes about his job and and FSG at Liverpool, but with City they kind of just leave it to one side. So I suppose it's nice, yeah, to hear from a figure like that. Yeah, and just a pound a month still. Uh, can you believe it? Still, still? yeah, I know. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've not signed up yet for that, then I don't know. Yeah, it, we'll, I, we'll I, fool I, you. I can be fairly confident in saying it's not going to get any better. Yeah. Like, it's not going to get any cheaper than that. Um, so yeah, get on it. The offer's running for a limited time only. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod and pay just one pound a month. Uh, we mentioned Omar Barada there. Um, we've uh, basically because there's been no city this weekend. I put the question out to Twitter: What do you guys want to, to hear us talking about? Um, and Paramount A came back with uh, Omar Barada talked about the era of heavy investment being over. Do you think City will shy away from a summer 2017 style window if the need for want does arise um before we get into that sam um omar was asked if the club would break its uh, sustainable financial structure to to land a superstar player when he was speaking to david ornstein uh, so let's just have a listen to what he said there are very few players maybe just messi and ronaldo and neymar um that can make a significant impact on the revenue side as well as the the football side um so I think when when you look at Juventus investing in 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 Ronaldo, I think it was it was speculated that they paid more than 100 million euros or around that that number for for Ronaldo when he joined them. 
I'm sure that in their in their planning, they took into account the, his contribution um, on and off the pitch. Um, and I think with with a player of of Leo Messi's uh, dimension, it you know can make a significant impact in terms of the, the, what he could bring as well from a revenue side to be able to sustain the the investment of of his wages um, and to help the team and also the the, perf- the performance on the pitch. You know, a player like like Messi can definitely um, help the team potentially reach uh, further heights. So all that is taken into consideration. Um, but clearly, you know, we, we continue sticking to to our position of wanting to be very, very successful on the pitch, but in a financially sustainable manner. It's interesting what he says there, because uh, he also told David Ornstein that he thought the era of City's excess spending was over. The club needed to invest in the players to be able to get us to where we are now um, and to be able to create this platform that we have created that helps sustain some of the best players in the world playing for the team. We've been, you know, to give you an example, we've been, I think we've qualified for the Champions League in nine years in a row. So that brings you significant revenue, um, which then is reinvested into the team. Um, we've been the most successful uh, club at a domestic level over the past four or five years. Um, and brings additional revenues to, to the club and, and increases, if you like, the, the revenue base over a long period of time, which allows us to continue investing in the squad. So, so that period of initial heavy investment was required to get us to where we are now. Now we're in a position where we will continue straightening the squad as required. There'll be different life cycles. There'll be more players coming out of, of the academy, like, like Phil Foden, who will be able to contribute, like Eric Garcia, um, and you know we saw a few a few players starting this season with Tommy Doyle and Cole Palmer and um, uh, Taylor Bellis who, who who made a start actually last season. So the combination of the the growth that the club has experienced, the the talent that we have in the squad, the talents coming up in the academy, the investments that we'll be continue making to continue training the squad, puts us in a very solid position to to not have to invest as much as we have. Um, Potentially, what ten years ago. So, Sam, what what do you reckon to the idea of a of a summer twenty seventeen style window off the back of uh, what you said there? Um, well, I mean, they should have had. Well, look, it's, it's COVID, so fine. It might it might not have been possible. I don't mean to be to to be flippant with that, but they need not maybe not should have done or should have had or whatever, but they needed that kind of window this summer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because. I mean, I'm pretty sure that this wasn't all of the business they wanted to do. Um, you know, maybe you know, maybe early early in the summer, like very early, they went, okay, we're not going to get a striker. So maybe I'll be wrong to sit here and say they well, they wanted to get a striker and a left back at the start of the summer. Maybe they realised that just wasn't viable when there were no targets available. But um, I don't know. It just seems like they didn't spend as much money as they could have this summer, quite clearly, um, because I think everybody knows they wanted Messi. Um, and whether they'd have just stopped at Messi and not got another centre-back in, I don't know, but I doubt it. I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm trying to toe a line here between my information and the general information that was out there from, you know, the people I, the information I got from people I trust and the information that was reported by other journalists that I trust and what Omar's saying. But I don't know, it strikes me a bit like they're saying, oh, well, we only spent, I don't know, 160 or whatever, 
not not net obviously, but the outgoing figure. It's like saying, "Oh wow, we spent 160 million. That's what we wanted to spend." It's like, well, I don't think I don't. I just don't think it is. Yeah. I think there, there was they did have more money to spend there, um, and for various reasons, whether they couldn't in the case of Messi, or couldn't or wouldn't, um, you know, in the case of a left back, you know, it's not all. It's just the way the interview went was made it sound like City did everything they wanted to do this summer and no regrets whatsoever and nothing else. And I just, I just don't think that was the case. Yeah, well, I mean, you said le- you said left-back there. Um, uh, he was asked why City didn't get a left-back. Uh, this was his answer. No, we chose not to because if you think about it, so on one hand, we have two top players that can play there, right? So Benjamin Mendy, and as you've pointed out, um, unfortunately for, for him and for us, he, he had you know multiple uh, injuries that... Um, made his start, um, the start of his career at the club, very difficult for him. Um, but I think he's come back quite strong from from those injuries, and you know we're hoping to for him to have an injury-free season this season, and to show his his potential uh, because we think he's a, he's a top left back, and and hopefully he'll he'll be able to demonstrate that throughout the season. We have uh, Senchenko who's performed really well in that position, even though it's not a natural position for him. Um, but not only that, but we have three other players that can play there. So Cancelo did it last season. Um, Nathan Hake um, has already done it this season, and he's done it with his national team. Um, Laporte also, you know, being a left-footed centre-back, can, can also perform in that position if we've wanted to. So it's a position that we feel is very well covered um, with, as I said, you know, uh, the specialists in terms of, of Benjamin Mendy, Sinchenko having performed really well there. And, and helped us home enormously. And now with Nathan Ake, um, in addition to Cancelo and, and Laporte, being able to help us in that position. I don't know about you, Sam. I'm not sure many fans listening to that will be that impressed with, with where City are with left-backs. No, I mean, I've, there's definitely a few who will agree, I think. You know, I've I've seen a few on my Twitter saying, oh, what are you moaning about? There's enough cover there. Cancelo can play there. Just don't get me started, basically. Um, but I th- there's a few, but yeah, the, I think the majority would disagree. Um, and I mean, look, I, I spoke to people around Mendy just after the, the restart and it was all, you know, all, all his physical tests, uh, you know, his, his posting results as, as good as he did before the injuries and that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, my, you know, my kind of point I put to them was, you know, he might not be the old Mendy, but do you think he can still be solid enough, in, you know, almost like a reinvented version? And they were like, oh, no, he can still be the old Mendy. But I mean, quite frankly, I've not seen any evidence of that since that interview. And I hadn't actually seen any before. Um, and, you know, for Omar to say, um, you know, we're hoping he has an injury-free season, well, frankly... But he's putting, he's putting a lot on, uh, kind of, uh, something that, not, that there's not, not a lot of evidence planning. for. That's not serious planning. I'm sorry, that's just not serious planning. Um, that's, that's a huge if. Well, it didn't even say if, it just said hopefully he has an injury-free season. Fine, like, look, he might... Um, you know, they might know more about his his physical condition. I know he had problems with, um, uh, you know, coming back from the meniscus. The meniscus was harder than the ACL. And obviously that's something that Aguero might have to worry about because he did in the meniscus as well. And the problem is when you have the operation on that, it takes away a bit of cartilage. And then there's more like friction between the bones rubbing together where the cartilage would have been. And that can cause setbacks. And Mendy struggled with that. So they may know that those problems are behind him. Though, you know, those physical tests, they may well be as good as ever. Um and also, he, you know, he may be suffering from a lack of a preseason, and you know, he might be about to get much better. Um, and one thing I acknowledged in my article on left backs was, to be fair to Zinchenko, 
he had a, a bad season last year and kind of injury interrupted. But um, it was good before that, and I'm not definitely ruling out the fact that um, that he could he could come back and have a season like he did at the end of 2018-19. Like, he could. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but you start piecing them together and you're saying, well, hopefully Mendy can go through the season uninjured and hopefully Zinchenko can get his level back. And it just and and then you get onto the R. Oh, we've got three. Like, they we, end up we, we've got three left footy centre backs. Yeah, we well, yeah, end up playing Laporte centre back. Don't give me that. Like, who's playing centre back then? He's your best centre back. Like, to be fair, Diaz looked great against France on on Sunday night, and he was quite good against Leeds. You know, he's got he's got the the ingredients there to be what City need. Um, but they haven't got a centre back at the moment that's better than Laporte, so he ain't going left back. And if things are that bad at left back, then you're dragging him out of there, and then you've you've already proved yourself wrong. By not getting a proper left back in, um, yeah, Cancelo, he like he can do it, but he just doesn't use his left foot. Just doesn't use his left foot. And I thought he was alright against Watford, but you know, I've, I was, I don't think actually, you know, City analysts and that were particularly impressed with him. Nathan Ake, I actually think he'd probably be the better, the best option at the club um, in terms of competence playing left back. But again, he's not particularly creative going forward. And Guardiola's already said only if they get injuries. So it, yeah, it's not proper planning for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I'm trying not to. I don't want to sit here and like tear down, uh, which is not, I'm not doing, and and tear down like an official interview from the club on their position and say, well, actually, I heard this because as much as you know, I just what I hear and I just what I say. I don't think I'd be. I don't know. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance, and I don't want to sit here and just say, well, this is bollocks because I've heard something else on like every different point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bear in mind that I might be wrong on some of these things, but I mean. Again, I said after the Leicester game that they would get a left back in if they could get rid of Sinchenko. That was something else that was followed um, by journalists in the UK, I think by journalists abroad. Um, I'm confident in saying they were trying to get rid of Sinchenko about a week before that interview was given. So it's again, it's a bit like, oh, well, we didn't sell Zinchenko, so we're happy to keep him. Whereas the reality probably would have been if they had have sold him, they'd have been fine. And it just, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, like I say, it's it's a difficult one for me to say because I don't want to go too overboard on it because look, I might be wrong. Um, but there's a lot of yeah, we just got a lot of conflicting, I don't know, opinions on regarding the facts. So it's not just opinions, but it's opinions regarding the facts, which is which is tricky. Um, but yeah, but even so, look, even if they are right, even if all of that is right, and they never wanted another left back, and they never wanted to get rid of Zinchenko, I think. Well, I'm confident in saying that's. That's actually a bad decision, and I don't. And I don't think the factors they're they're clinging to this season are enough. And look again, I might be wrong. They they've probably got more information than I have, and Mendy might have a great season, and Zinchenko might have a great season. But I I think it's bad planning. If that you know if that is what they planned after all, but I don't actually think it was. You mentioned uh, the Leon game as well. Uh, Omar Barada was asked, uh, "Did the Champions League exit to Leon affect any of the uh, the transfer business and the planning for transfers?" Uh, this is what he said to David Ornstein. I think, as you can imagine, we. You know, Chiki and and his team and Pep, you know, Ferran, myself, we we don't take decisions based on the results of one game. You know, there there are many reasons why that result happened. Um, clearly, we were we were disappointed. Um, you know, clearly, winning the Champions League is is one of our one of our goals, and we're convinced that we will win it. And there will come a time when you know, hopefully, we'll we'll win it more than once. In, in a short period of time, um, because we believe that we we have the right manager, we have the right squad, um, we have the right 
supporting structure around it, and we will win it. We will get there. That's that's absolutely for sure. Um, and we need to continue what we're doing. But our squad planning, to answer your question, is is a result of you know lots of in-depth analysis that goes on for for months, if not years, um, of, of planning. Uh, to give you an example, we we started planning for the the departure of Claudio Bravo. Uh, two years ago with the signing of, of Zach Stefan and we sent him out on loan to Germany and now he's he's he's, he's part of the squad so um, the, the center back positions it's something that we've been looking at for for the last couple of years um, and you know now we found with Nathan Ake and, and, and Ruben Diaz you know the, the ideal candidates and the ideal players the, the players that we wanted um, in the case of, of Nathan Ake we actually did it in July so before the Champions League game we needed, we wanted another uh, left-footed centre-back, um, and and with Ruben Diaz, you know, as, as the market developed, we were able to to come in and and, and do that transaction. Um, but it would have done those two deals would have been done regardless of whether we were, you know, we had been eliminated by by Lyon or we had won the Champions League. I think my my gut instinct on this one, Sam, anyway, is that that I I find it hard to believe that 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 City's transfer business was affected by being knocked out to Lyon anyway. Yeah, no, I can completely agree with that. Um, yeah, I've I've no issue with that. You know, I I I don't think they'd have gone. Oh God, we need this. Um, but as much as anything, because that Leon game didn't show us anything new, did it? That Leon game was merely a culmination of all the problems that have been seen throughout the season. They are very meticulous in their planning. Um, I suppose that helped with Diaz to an extent. They already knew who he was. They knew what he was about. I'm pretty sure they looked at him last summer. Um, after the Maguire deal didn't happen, but they couldn't get rid of Otamendi, ironically, um, and they couldn't get uh, Diaz in because they didn't have any foreign quotas. So they they knew enough about him. I think maybe if it had been somebody else, they might have been like, I'm not really sure. I think we saw that with them looking at Koundé. Yeah, that's been confirmed by by Sevilla. They didn't say the club. His agent over the weekend said, you know, City were the one who made the bid. So we all know they wanted Koundé as well. Um I would say before Diaz, but after that didn't happen. Obviously, they knew enough about Diaz. They had enough work there to be confident that actually they could go and that he'd and, fit the profile sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I had, if they hadn't been able to get him, I don't know what they'd have done. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Let's pivot to some other questions now because um, there's been there's quite a range of, uh, of topics to talk about on today's show. Uh, John Rogers asks, football without fans, pay-per-view, project, big picture. Are there any other season ticket holders getting more and more fed up with it all, thinking I might not bother renewing when the time comes? I bet it's not only City fans either. Suddenly, lower league and non-league is looking appealing. And Sam, you put out a tweet um, about uh, basically projects, uh, big picture and, and you know the decisions that were going on around... Uh, around uh, the proposals that you were talking about at the start of the show um what i mean what's your mentions been like off the back of that uh yeah from what i've seen and i think um i think twitter does a very good job of protecting me from stuff i don't want to see but from what i've seen (laughs) and I've, i've clicked into into the replies to see them all um city fans are kind of against the changes i think if anything's branded as this is being led by United and Liverpool and Rick Parry. Then City fans are going to be against it. To be fair, um, but well, I was just I was just reading Stephen Price uh, replying with uh, City should oppose anything put forward by United and or Liverpool. As simple as that, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many different layers to this, but yeah. So the the replies I'm getting back are generally City fans saying no, don't like it, and they'd be very disappointed. Um, they'd be very disappointed if City went along with it. Um, but yeah, there's so many different conflicting things, and I, I think one of them, which is interesting, and this isn't, you know, some people might think this is me having a sly dig, and it obviously it isn't, because if I'd wanted to have a sly dig about FFP, I'd probably have had a few opportunities in the last few months, and I never did. Um, but it just, it would be a bit rich, um, obviously, with City's arguments against FFP, like officially and unofficially, and all the rest of it. And it would put the fans in an awkward position if their argument against FFP was, well, it was a cartel who were happy with their position and they pulled up the drawbridge and tried to stop anybody else like stop um, threatening that elite and if that was the case then this would effectively now be City being part of that in the Premier League because I mean it's a very hard thing to boil down if people haven't seen the whole project big picture which is an ironic name because the big picture isn't the money. <laughs> it isn't what's on show is it yeah. the EFL are going to get which is a lot um, it's what the big clubs are probably going to push through in a few years I mean effectively the bit that people don't like is if the Premier League were to be reduced to 18 teams which they're proposing um, there would be nine kind of senior stakeholders made up of the the big six as we know it to be um, plus the three teams have been in the Premier League for the most total seasons do you know where City Uh, rank in all of that well, no, but I read the BBC's version of the story on Sunday and there was a very wry paragraph at the end which said, there's been no mention of Aston Villa or Newcastle who have both featured in more Premier League seasons than Manchester City. Um, so I don't know where they rank, actually. In terms in terms of actual ranking, um, mm. City are, I think, in 10th. Um, it's, uh, it, if you take top six finishes in, in English top flight history, City are 8th. Um, but in in terms of ever presence in the Premier League and and uh, the amount of time spent in the Premier League, I believe City are in tenth. Yeah. Okay. Um, exactly. But but what, for whatever reason, well, the, the reason being that they're one of the biggest, richest clubs is they're part. They would be part of that big six. They're included in those nine like senior stakeholders. But the thing is, obviously, now when there's a vote on these issues, as we saw over the weekend with the the £15 per game pay-per-view, which again we'll probably come up to, um, every club has a vote. And even though apparently Ed Woodward was against it, he voted for it. So good luck to him. Um, but that, that that would be the end of that. And there are certain things that 
those nine senior stakeholders would be able to approve if only two thirds of that nine voted for them. So two thirds so of, of the nine, nine yeah, amount, nine is six. So it's the big six basically. If the big six wanted to vote through something which suited them, then they'd be fine. And what I actually think, so so the ironic thing there would be obviously City would effectively be part of the cartel that could, in theory, change the rules to suit them, which is obviously what they've and the fans have kind of accused UEFA of doing with FFP. So there's that. But there's also the element of it could, I mean, it could affect City in a way because I think it's quite transparent, this. It's quite obviously a power grab as much as there is a lot of money on the table. Although I've seen something today on Twitter that says it's not quite as much as there's being painted, but there we go. We'll look into that later on. Um, yeah, the other element to it is you can tell it's a very American owner-driven thing because one of the powers they want um, is for the Premier League chairman to have to have access to the club's accounts and also for the Premier League to adopt the same financial fair play as UEFA and as you probably know the Premier League's current FFP restrictions which are you know called something else but they're effectively the same thing they're much um much more lenient you can get away with spending a lot more so it's obvious really that the american owners have also kind of got one eye on city and obviously city would say well we've not had any problems with FFP so do what you want lads but I think it's fair to say that United and and Liverpool's owners have probably got one eye on City and going, well, we're also going to make sure you can't spend too much in the Premier League. And we're also going to make sure that um, the Premier League can properly investigate it if anybody does. And I'm also thinking if there were to be a vote later on, because I think one of the stories that's that's come out on Monday afternoon is there'd be some kind of grant. And I've not read it because I was... I was um I was working on something else and now we're recording this. But some kind of retrospective grant for clubs that have built their stadiums, they they somehow benefit financially. And it would you believe Tottenham and Liverpool <laughs> would be the clubs that would benefit from that. So it's clearly gonna suit the big clubs. And I'm thinking if they only need six votes to pass and all of a sudden they said, Well, actually we don't want any club to have a net spend of more than 150. So say if City did have a big summer next year, you know, contrary to what Omar says, and maybe they won't, but hypothetically, if they did have a big spending summer and maybe United and Liverpool or whoever didn't, if big clubs were to table a motion that would effectively hamper City, hypothetically, five of the other big six could vote against City and all they'd need to do is persuade Leicester or Southampton to vote with them. And, and that's it, City, done and dusted, yeah. And, and City then... And you, you'd probably get all the other clubs voting with it as well. And all of a sudden, City would be like, hold on a minute, we've got enough money to spend here because we do this, this and this, and this is how we raise our money. And this is why we're a sustainable business. But they'd be out on their ear because they, all they would need is the other the other top five to vote against them. And like I say, like Leicester and Southampton are one of the other big stakeholders. So it's there's a few different layers to it. But yeah, City fans, they're not happy with it, um, which I think is quite refreshing. Um, but like, like I say, it's probably helped by the fact it's headed up by such a kind of um, dishonourable group as far as City fans are concerned. But yeah, there's also that element of it wouldn't all benefit City, but I mean, I'm sure obviously in in, in more ways than, than most it would because they're one of the, the big clubs and they're obviously they're just going to table motions and vote for motions that, that suit them. And I think that's why most people don't like it. As much as, like I say, there is a, there is a lot of money that could, that could save clubs lower down. And according to the article, on the Athletic on Monday morning, like headed up by Adam Crafton, but certainly contributed to by a lot of others. It seems like a lot of the Football League clubs do welcome it, 
because it's obviously good for them financially. JRP uh, asked us uh, very quickly on this, if going in favour of Project Big Picture, a city vote, uh, Turkey's voted for Christmas? Um, not really. Like I say, there, there's an element, um, if City were to vote for it, it would it would mainly benefit them. And I think the Turkeys voting for Christmas would be the other Premier League clubs and, and maybe the Football League clubs. A bit like, do you remember the Elite Player Performance Plan where they basically Premier League clubs reduced the amount of compensation owed to Football League clubs that produce players that go on to Premier League academies. But they voted for it anyway because I think the Premier League were kind of threatening to withhold some other money or or not vote through something that would have given them more money. I can't remember the exact ins and outs, but basically they voted for something that wasn't good for them because of, effectively they got more money along along the way. And I could see that happening. So no, I don't think City would be one of the turkeys voting for Christmas. They would be very much Father Christmas in this. Uh, moving on as well, we've had uh, a couple of, uh, of questions around City's uh, prep for the season. So Jules asks, uh, do you think that the lack of pre-season has already seen City suffer this season? Do you think Pep intended to trial some different formations like Ake to play in a back three uh, to iron out the defensive flaws, but he's too scared now given poor results and injuries? Uh, meanwhile, Harris Ahmed also asks, does the start that City have made not feel like how pre-season friendlies tend to play out? Brilliant in patches for 20-25 minutes but not in control for the major part 70 or 80 minutes could it be that we see a more stable City after the international break that will be more up to speed yeah well I mean hopefully we we touched on this quite a lot in last week's podcast well I tried not to be overly negative and you know one of the reasons I tried to put forward for why City could quite easily um, turn their situation around is that you know pre-season hasn't been great and once they get the fitness back so those kind those questions kind of get to the nub of that really and like i said it, it it's easier to imagine that you know foden and Mahrez and whoever didn't have a great game against leeds would be better with with fitness so yeah that's that's you know definitely a possible factor in cities you know relatively slow slash patchy start to the season um how about guardiola experimenting with things yeah um yeah um i don't generally think Guardiola is the kind of bloke you know what Omar was saying about how you know they don't change the transfer strategy based on one game generally I would say Guardiola is not bothered by that because he's more um concerned about the performances and look maybe you know maybe he just thinks that the, the performances have been crap as well so he's not going to do it but um I can only really think of ironically that Leicester game in Guardiola's first season in December when Vardy got a hat-trick again um, and he stopped playing three at the back after that. And he thought, okay, maybe we can't do that here. Um, but no, I don't think Guardiola is the kind of person to to stop experimenting and trying different things. Um, he did. He did. Start, he, you know, he always changes things. Yeah, he, he did try three at the back, didn't he? At the start of the Centurion season, he yeah, went three at the back yeah, against Brighton. Yeah, exactly. And he did it a bit, although he he tried quite a lot at the start of the season after. Um, with the domestic treble season. He did quite a lot at the start of that season. Um, he played in a Carabao Cup final against Arsenal as well, um, which was the 100-point the season. He never, he's never fully let it go, um, but the difference was, I think back then, he was like, I'm going to make this work in the Premier League. Whereas when he used it against Everton and Sheffield United over Christmas last year, and um, Sheffield United again in January, and against Lyon, it was more to do with the you know, he felt that was the best for that game. He felt the the strengths of the, and the weaknesses of the opposition demanded that system. Whereas obviously at the start, he was like, we're going to play this against whoever. I think he's got rid of that idea, but um, he likes it enough for certain, um, 
Yeah, for certain scenarios. But no, I mean, he, he experiments enough. And like, just because, you know, there wasn't a three at the back against Leeds or whatever, the fact he, he played um, Foden in that midfield role and he didn't go for the kind of controlled midfielder that we talk about a lot, you know, that's, you know, that's um, changing things up and that's a different approach and that's a, a new way of, of facing a game. And, you know, sometimes he presses and sometimes they don't. I mean, obviously... Everybody wishes they they would go back to that that pressing intensity, but I mean, just like there was another question. It was like, have, have you been disappointed that none of Juan Marleo's or like Juan Marleo hasn't brought anything? It's like, well, how do we know that? So like, well, there's not been any. Is that like, we've not seen any different tactics? So, like, what? Like for a start, we have, and secondly, the kind of thing that you know, assistant managers like that, including Arteta, suggest is not the kind of thing your average football viewer, and I very much include myself in that, if not below average, is going to notice. You know, like, I don't... I defy the vast majority of people who watch City, again, including... Maybe, look, maybe I'm judging everybody by, by my own poor standards, to watch a City game and say, oh, yeah, that's one my Leo. Like, how, what? How do we know that? No, so, yeah, that, that kind of stuff is... There's loads of... Diff, you know, there's loads of different experimentation. There's loads of different things that he can and does try, that just completely goes under the radar because it's, you know, it's not as obvious as, oh, there's three at the back there or, oh, there's two defensive midfielders instead of one. Um, yeah, there's 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 loads of different things that we'll, we'll just never notice. And I, as much as I think he's moved his team around out of, I don't know, you could say fear, um, you know, to protect that defence, um, I don't think he'll abandon um, changes because of how the results have gone. Yeah. Um, if anything, I think he's probably still looking for answers. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. We touched recently as well on uh, Aguero's future at the club. Obviously, he's in his last year of his contract. Um, Adam asks, do you think City would work with Raiola if it meant getting Haaland? Hmm. I love... Again, this kind of goes back to last week's podcast of, oh, next summer is going to be this or that, or we'll sign this player or that. Um, I don't know. I'm just not convinced. Everyone's kind of pinning their hopes on Haaland. Maybe, yeah, maybe City do get him. But a lot of, a lot, a hell of a lot of clubs are going to be trying to get him. And there is that barrier of dealing with Rayola and City in the past have made a point of not doing it. Um, they they didn't want to do it for Delitz. And I'm pretty sure the summer they made a lot of inquiries for him. I think that was 2018. Um, but by the time we got around to 2019, they just went, oh, we're not doing it with him. Um, and he was, you know, he was, he's obviously, he's not done a lot at Juventus, but he was a player they really liked. And at the time, he was a top player on the market. Um, and so is Haaland. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I would like to think they wouldn't be that stubborn. Because um, obviously, a lot of people listening to this might have seen that poll I did on Friday night after I was asked to, to ask City fans effectively with they'd rather sign Messi or Haaland next summer. And I think it was in the end, it was about 65% in favour of Haaland. Generally, I think because people wanted that longevity of 10 to 15 years as a City player, which again... Yeah, I voted Haaland on that basis. Yeah, again, I can see that. To be fair, I'd rather have Messi, but I think that might be more of a professional thing. You know, that might be more 
Well, I suppose it, it, that must overlap with fans because surely there'll be a lot of fans who just want to see Messi playing for City for one or two years. But Listen, I can uh, in in either of those situations, City don't lose. So Yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to sit here and tell anybody who voted for Haaland that they're wrong. Um, um, but yeah, like I say, it's, it's obviously a player that a lot of City fans want to sign and for, and for good reason. So I'd hate to think that City would say, well, forget it, we're not dealing with Rayola. Whether that's because they don't like him personally. Well, I mean, I think Chica gets on with him well, but Pep doesn't. Um, or whether they don't want to pay the commission. Because look, if he's asking for like 20 million in commission, maybe they'll just say it doesn't make financial business sense to do that. Um, I'm trying to think maybe it does actually. Maybe, you know, maybe you just budget. I, I just I, I just want the father-son uh, tradition at City to carry on even further. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, effectively, at the end of the day, it's easy for me to sit here and say City should try and get him all out, and whether it's Riolu or whatever or the devil himself, they should they should do a deal, and whether it costs them twenty million in agent fees or not, they should do it because at the end of the day, that's kind of the market they're in. But again, like it, it's not that's not the most sustainable argument, and Omar could probably quite justifiably sit down and say we're never going to give twenty million to an agent, um, and that's fair enough. But um, I don't know. When he when he was going back to the start and saying there's only very few players who would make a, a difference on the commercial side, and he mentioned Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar. I mean, I hope I hope that he doesn't mean you know people in the next band of top players like Haaland and Mbappe, you know, would never be considered because they're too expensive and they wouldn't make enough back in shirt sales and sponsorships or whatever. Not shirt sales, we know that's a bit of a myth, but sponsorships um, and you know um, increased ticket sales. I'd like to think that there's still room. In their planning to get a player like Haaland, even if yeah. you know you have to, you know, spend eighty million or ninety million. Obviously, he's got a clause, but if you need to chuck agent fees on top of it or whatever it might be, um, yeah, I'd like to think they'd be flexible enough to get that done. Yeah, which actually but- brings me back to just that flexibility and talking about Khaldun Mubarak's interview earlier on. Of, um, obviously, everybody remembers in the summer he was talking about how City normally buy players of a certain age, around twenty five, and they're normally a certain cost, but they're flexible enough to get players who are, you know, don't fit that mould and might be a bit older and a bit more expensive. And obviously in the end that didn't happen. So again, that's just a little that's just a little reminder that you know the summer didn't all go City's way, did it? But um, I'd like to think that they still they do actually have that flexibility that Al Mubarak was talking about. And next summer, because they kick the can down the road again and I'm pretty sure they're gonna need a left back and I'm pretty sure they're gonna need a striker. Um they might need well. They might need at least two midfielders as well. They might need a number six and they might need a number eight. Um, but I'd like to think they'd be flexible enough to to do that properly next summer. I'm going to finish for uh, this week's show on uh, the main topic that that people were asking about: Guardiola, the contract, uh, potential new coaches, that kind of thing. So I'm going to rattle through some of these oh, questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Tony the Mank asked: uh, Is it realistic to think everything Pep contract Sergio Aguero's extension comes down to Messi signing a pre-contract in January? Uh, meanwhile, the gaming parent asks, uh, with the recent signings saying being managed by Pep is a big factor for them choosing City, can we see an extension for Guardiola on the cards? Seems strange to me that you'd sign for a coach who is in his last season. Uh, John asks, uh, Poch or Nagelsmann? Uh, surely if there's a ch- any chance Pep stays, we should extend him, especially if there's a possibility of Messi next year. Uh, Showbiz Wines says, uh, what's the latest Guardiola can sign a contract extension without the club lining up a successor? So, uh, Sam, plenty to uh, to get into there. Fill your boots, I suppose, really. I'm trying to think where to start. W- one of them was um, how long can it drag on? I think that's um, I think that's probably the most pertinent one. How long can it go on before the club, never mind um, us on the outside in the media and the fans, I guess, but how, how long can it go before the club get an answer? You'd have to think it would be pretty soon. 
Um, because yeah, like I'll I need say, to plan uh, if he's not going to stay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And look, it might be as easy. And look, they might, you know, they might have done it already. And maybe they've got somebody um, who's at a club already. I mean, let's say for argument's sake, Nagelsmann has had a conversation already. And I'm not hinting that this has happened at all. I'm just saying hypothetically, he might be happy to stay at Leipzig for one, possibly two years, until he gets a call and they say, right, let's do it now. So maybe they've got that situation. But if they haven't, and obviously a lot of people are talking about Pochettino. I mean, I'm not sure if that. I'd love him to be the manager, actually, but I'm, I don't know. I don't know only, if it feels to, like there's only so long he can be unemployed. Though. Exactly, that's what I mean. Like, if if City don't speak to him now because they think Pep's going to stay, or they just don't know, and then say United sack Solskjaer in God, we're nearly in November already. Um, what's the run up to Christmas going to be now? The season's been delayed, January, February kind of time. Um, and they were to get Pochettino, and then a month later, being halfway through the season, Pep says, "Oh, actually, I'm done." Like it feels like they've missed a chance. So it it does need to be soon. Um, you know, I don't even think that's being impatient. Like it does need to be soon. And actually, I'm just I'm trying to recalibrate the season in my head there, but it's not actually going to finish much later, is it? So no, it's yeah, it's, it's just condensed. In, yeah, even though we're in October now, it doesn't mean it's actually going to drag on. So we're 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 closer. Um, yeah, we're closer to um, his contract ending than I'd actually thought, um, and even though the season's at an earlier stage. So yeah, he's 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 going to have to he's going to have to tell them soon, um, and then I think after that it will be very healthy for the club to know. But I mean, or, I mean, in a way, it's effectively in an impossible position already if he's not staying, because they I think they tried to handle it as best as possible when. Um, when they announced he was coming in, but obviously Pellegrini wanted to say and have it all out in the open, so there'd be no, you know, to end the speculation. But at the end of the day, I think everybody kind of acknowledges whether it's right or wrong that um, that it was not so much the wrong decision, but it didn't help. You know, City yeah. were going reasonably well. I don't think they would guarantee no, they, to win by any means before that. They they did have problems, but it definitely unraveled a bit after that and like I say I think everybody acknowledges that that was an issue so if Pep isn't going to be staying if he were to say it today tomorrow Christmas Eve um March it's there's no great time to do it and then if he was just to leave at the end of the season I don't know I suppose they could still do it they could they could work in the background and say uh Pep's going um but we're delighted to announce Julian Nagelsmann as our next manager I suppose that will be a good way of doing it um but to keep the lid on that would be, you know, good luck to them if they can do that. I'm sure yeah. they actually, I'm sure they could. But I suppose Guardiola coming in the first place was such a, an open secret, wasn't it? I mean, there, there was enough kind of cleverly planted rumours by his agent and other people that, you know, United and Chelsea were still in it. But um, everybody knew he was coming to City, so I'm not sure they'd be able to keep it quiet. Um, and, and again, I know this is a rambly answer, but I hope that in itself gives an idea of how complicated it would be, really, because... Um, it's just not a great situation to be in. And yeah. normally, if it was if it was any old manager in the last season of the contract, it wouldn't be an issue. But it's, it's Guardiola, and you know the way that news is twenty four seven now, and every defeat is scrutinised. And whether it's one mile Leo not giving enough to the team tactically, or because Arteta left, or because someone's injured, or because Guardiola's fallen out with whoever, you know, like we in the media and as fans we attribute reasons from the outside and if city if city's form doesn't pick up in the next month or so you can be certain 
the people will be talking about his contract and he'll be starting ask, being asked in his press conference every week, what's going on with your contract? You know, what's going on with the uncertainty? And I, I don't think that would actually take long then for people inside the dressing room. Because I think a lot of the time it's easy for the players to switch off from stuff in the media. Like if it was messy or whatever, they might send each other some messages coming all that, you know, what about that? But it's easy just to put the back of your mind. But if, if Guardiola's not staying and, you know, the form's not great, it, it, I just don't think it helps. Um, what about so, yeah. Messi? I mean, in, in terms of an extension, if they can, well, get, I mean, if they can get Messi to, to to join on a pre-contract, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I would have answered this question in the summer. Like my approach um, to the window, basically, or my my idea of what City's approach to the window was was if they can get a squad strong enough for Guardiola to believe that. Um, not only they can challenge for the title this year, we're not challenged, but win the title this year and show they can go again, then he's more likely to sign an extension. Um, and on a side note, I'm not sure they have done that. Um, but more personally, if they had have signed Messi, it wouldn't have been the biggest factor. Like when City had the Champions League ban overturned, I never said it was the biggest factor. I didn't I didn't ever think this is going to be Guardiola staying now, but it would have helped. You know, if City had been banned from the Champions League, that wouldn't have helped. But he still would have, you know, made his mind up based on other factors. Messi coming in, whether it would have been in the summer or on a pre-contract or they sign him next summer, um, that, that would help because he would think, hmm, I've got the opportunity to work with this guy who I absolutely love and I think is the best player ever. It's probably worth it. So it yeah. would, yeah, it, it would definitely help. And look, again, um, Omar kind of dismissed the idea that they were that close to the Messi situation in the summer, which again... Um, I don't know how many people believe, but the fact that he admittedly, you know, he, he openly said, um, you know, if he's available next summer, we would we would have a look at that, um, goes to show that it's it's, it's definitely still in the plans, um, and yeah, that that would certainly help um, Guardiola stay. Yeah, well, let's let's finish with a question uh, very quickly from Chris Booth, uh, who says, "Way too much doom and gloom around." So my question is, based on what we've seen so far from City this season, on and off the pitch, what are the reasons to be positive about what's to come? Yeah, well, I was actually thinking, whatever this question is, I'm going to try and manoeuvre the answer to kind of give people a bit of hope. And it probably would have been going back to what um, the questions were earlier in terms of, you know, it's been a bit like a pre-season at the moment and once they get their fitness back. Um, so, yeah, it'd be that really. that The, the fact that um, a lot of quality players... Are I was going to say, can I, get, can I give you a really easy answer to this? Um, yeah. Aguero's back soon. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of quality players are about to reach their um, top level in terms of fitness. Um, there's good, there's a big squad. The centre-backs are better. Like I said, Ruben Diaz, um, it was only one game against Leeds, but I mentioned that specific example where if it was Otamendi, he probably would have jumped in and he did well. He did really well against um, France on Sunday night, Diaz, obviously for a different team, but promising nonetheless. Um, so the centre-backs have been strengthened. Um there's a, it's a big enough squad, full of enough quality, which I've always tried to kind of mention, even when I say City need more. Um, they've got a lot already. Um, and like I say, Guardiola's got so many different ideas. Um, and hopefully Juan Marleo is, is, is actually getting different <laughs> solutions. Um, and it will, all, it will all come together. So yeah, that, qual- that combination of, of full fitness and quality player will get you a long way. 
Um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see over the next, yeah, like I say, month or go, month or so, with the Champions League coming back, we'll, we'll see how far that goes. So, yeah, I mean, I am, I am sorry as well if I'm contributing to this doom and gloom. Um, I just, that's just the kind of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think it's you. I don't think it's you. I think there is a, there's a general malaise around uh, City fans at the moment, and I, so there's, I think there's a combination of reasons for it that we've, uh, that we've dug into in the last few weeks. So uh, certainly, don't feel like the weight of all this goes on your shoulders, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, there's enough. Of it. Oh yeah, I worry that enough. So I yeah, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for everyone's mood. <laughs> oh, well, don't worry about it. You're not. Um, that's it for this week's Why Wizards. You've been listening to uh, the ever cheerful Samley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> nice. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic for just £1 right now by using the code MANCITYPOD. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.